Welcome to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for December 11th, 2017. Hey, thanks for joining me. Uh, my name is Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy, owner of uh, the company Trade Show Guy Exhibits, blogger at tradeshowguyblog.com, and uh, find my book on Amazon. It's called Trade Show Success. You know, just a, a few weeks left in the year. So, you know, what are your plans for 2018? Figure out how you can do, you know, what, 50% better than what you did in 2017? Can you... Maybe for 2018, find another planet you want to live on. Uh, well, whatever you decide, I'm really glad you're making this podcast and blog part of your life, however small or large that part might be. Now, today on the show, uh, you get to hear an interview with Bill Stainton. I'm not sure how I ran in, in Bill, but I, I've enjoyed his newsletter for years. And I discovered that uh, along with our passion for old-time rock and roll, we had at least one acquaintance in common, one of the guys I knew in high school, Pat Cashman, Worked at a local radio station where I grew up in Bend and went to high school. Uh, I thought he was one of the most creative uh, folks I've ever met. Turns out he did many years on the TV show in Seattle called Almost Live with Bill as executive producer. Uh, Bill's up to other things now as we find out in this fun podcast interview. Well, hi, Bill. Thanks for joining me here on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. It's, it's a pleasure to see you. I've, I've, I've been a newsletter reader for years. It's one of the few that I actually read at least once every third or fourth time. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I count that as a victory. I, listen to I think that's, I think that's a backhanded time. compliment, but uh, uh, no, I, I appreciate it. There's only four or five out there that I, I, I stick with over the years, and I, and I like what you've done. And I started this podcast. Your name came up. With, eh, I should reach out and see if we could get you on the uh, vlog slash podcast. Well, so I appreciate cool it. to be here because I think you've got one of the best podcasts out there. So, Oh, know. well, well, thank you. And, and it's, uh, you know, I did, I did one about 10 years ago and it kind of died and then I sort of morphed into this about a year ago and it's been fun. I just, you know, I did it on my own. I thought, well, I need guests. And so now I try to have a guest every week and, <laughs> you know, cause I, I can't hold forth all the time. So you're into, uh, you, you do motivational speaking as well as leadership uh, training, executive coaching, things like that. So tell, tell me a little bit about what you, you actually do in your, in your day job, as it were. The day job, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, to do that, let me go just a touch into the background because it kind of, it all comes full circle. Uh, my background, as, as you know, is as a TV producer. I produced a comedy TV show um, here in Seattle for 15 years. That did pretty well. Uh, we won over 100 Emmy Awards. Um, look, there's a few of them back there. Nice. <laughs> and uh, number one in our time slot for 10 straight years. And we invented Bill Nye the Science Guy. Got to work with people like Jerry Seinfeld and Ellen DeGeneres. Because of that, I learned, because I was the executive producer, I learned an awful lot about leading a team, especially a creative team. I learned an awful lot about creativity. So that's what I speak on now. I speak on leadership and creativity, sometimes combined, sometimes as separate, uh, as, as separate topics. Um, but I work with leaders of organizations and associations all over the country, occasionally all over the world, which is kind of cool. That, that's great. So, so the leadership part, do you actually go in and, and they hire you to come in and, and like teach teams how to be leaders, teach individuals a one-on-one? -on -one? Is it is a group? I'm just curious how that works, uh, you know, logistically. Occasionally I do that. Primarily, I'm a keynoter. Okay. Uh, so primarily, I open and close conventions, uh, uh, business meetings, things like that. The cool part, though, is if I can do a breakout or a workshop afterwards with a smaller group of people and really kind of roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty and, and uh, go into exactly what, you know, what their issues are when, with, when it comes to, to leadership with leading their teams. So how'd you get into the motivational, the, the, the keynote speaking? How, how, how did that happen from being an executive producer? Were you already speaking in front of people and someone just, you decided, I need I to do was. this? Or? 
I was, and uh, and and the station canceled the show the month after I bought a new house and a new car. So <laughs> <laughs> funny how life does those things to you. Yeah. It? So necessity. Hey, need need, need an income. Um, so that's th- that is true. And yeah, you know, when you're on TV, and and you know this because as, as as a radio guy, when you're when you're when you're a broadcaster, you tend to get asked to speak in public a lot anyway. You know, civic groups, church groups, rotaries, school groups, things like that. Uh, plus, I did the audience warm up for our show every every week, so I was used to speaking in public. Right. Uh, the only challenge then was to figure out, okay, what do I want to go talk about? What do you want to say? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I started off doing customized humor, uh, like somebody would, you know, a company would hire me, and I'd write an hour's worth of jokes about about them, and um, that was cool. But if I had more than two engagements a month, I started getting really stressed because that's that's really labor intensive. It's a lot of writing, yeah. Yeah, 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 a, a, a little too much. Um, and then a friend of mine who's a speaker coach, a woman named Patricia Fripp, who you might know of her, her brother, Robert Fripp from King Crimson. Uh-huh. Um, anyhow, she told me two things. She said, first of all, you've got to speak about something that you're passionate about because you're going to be speaking a lot about it. So it's got to be something that you like speaking about. Good advice. And second, if you want to make any money with it, and again, just a reminder, new house, new car, no job. So yeah, that was paramount. Uh, you've got to learn how to sell it to corporate America. So I was trying to figure out, okay, so what am I passionate about? Well, one thing is um, I happen to be, for no particularly good reason, one of the world's foremost Beatles experts. In fact, it used to be if you Googled Beatles expert, I came up number one. Nice. Uh, I'm not the world's number one Beatles expert, but just it just came up that way. <laughs> which basically got me about four phone calls every week from elementary school kids doing history projects. Uh, but so I thought, okay, I can speak about the Beatles, but corporate America doesn't care about the Beatles. And I thought, wait a minute, the Beatles are the gold standard for success. Well, there we go. So now all of a sudden we have a link. So I started talking about the Beatles and success. And then that kind of morphed into more stories about what I did with my team. Um, uh, again, people like Bill Nye, Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno, people like that. Um, one thing led to another, and all of a sudden, a career is born, and I've been doing it since full-time since 2006. Now, do you have someone book you, or do you do that all in-house? I'm just curious if you have like a talent agent that gets you to gigs. I'm, cu- I'm curious logistically how that works. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's kind of a mix of things, Tim. Um, I, I do have a salesperson who does outbound marketing and sales for me. Right. Um, I'm also listed with probably about 20 or 30 speakers bureaus around the country, now, being listed with them doesn't necessarily mean that they all book you, but I've got a few that book me fairly consistently. That said, probably about 70% at least of my engagements come from what we in the business call spin-off and referrals. Right. In other words, you go, you do a job, you hopefully hit it out of the park, somebody in the audience sees you and says, hey, you know, I've got a meeting coming up, what are you doing next May? Right. And, um, so that's, that's how that tends to happen. So if someone wants to move into that, interesting, I mean, we could go down so many bunny trails on this conversation, Beatles stuff, you know, old rock and roll, uh, radio creativity. But I'm curious if someone, if you're ready, if someone wants to get into this, I'm just curious, what advice would you give them? Uh, Because it seems to be a a very specialized um, career in a sense. It is. I would tell them that the magic is where what you want to speak about and what the audience wants to hear intersect. That's the, that's, that's the magic part. There are a lot of people who want to get into this business because they think, oh, I've got a great story. Right. And I, want to, I just want to tell my story. Maybe it's an inspirational story. Maybe, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, I just want to tell my story. Well, that's all well and good. But, again, as my friend Patricia Fripp said, if you want to sell it, 
if you want to make any money, you've got to, you've got to have find somebody who wants to pay money to hear that story. Right. So, so you need to figure out where that intersection is between what your skill set is, what your background is, what it is that you know that you are an expert on and how that intersects with what some segment of the world wants to hear. So was that Beatles hook that you, you kind of started with, was that a, a good fit to, to, to kind of hang your hat on for the leadership and the success thing? Was that a good way to move into that space? You say you're kind of pulled away from the Beatles uh, thing. Is, is that true? Yeah, yeah, I have. I mean, I, I, I still do it. I just did uh, the Beatles keynote last week. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. First of all, it, yes, it, it was very good because in 2006, when I started full time, the baby boomers still ruled the earth. Yes. Uh, and the baby boomers were booking the meetings. <laughs> and if you're going to hitch your wagon to a horse, the Beatles are not a bad horse to, to hitch That's your wagon true. to. That's true. And the nice thing is, unlike, say, Herman's Hermits or, or uh, Bad Fingers, you and I were talking about earlier offline, um, everybody knows the Beatles. Even the millennials know the Beatles. So it's still, it still works, and they still are the gold standard for success in their field. So that's, that still works. That said, um, more and more meeting planners are, are millennials and even younger. Yeah. Yeah. So the Beatles are get to be a bit of a tougher sell, and I realize you know I've got some I've got some pretty good stories of my own. I mean I've got, I've got you know I led a pretty successful team, so there's certainly some stuff in there. So I started kind of moving more and more into that arena, and now I'm I'm honing it down even more into that part of the arena, which is which I call producing under pressure, uh, because as you know as a broadcaster, when the clock ticks up to, to go time, you know, you can't say, well, I'm not quite ready yet, or I don't really feel like it. You know, you've got to produce a show every single week, or in some cases, every single day, under pressure, and it's, it's got to be right the first time. Yeah, no matter how many things are going wrong and bad in your personal life, when that clock hits the top of the hour, you've got to be on, so. <laughs> That's exactly right. Producing I mean, under I, pressure, yeah. Yeah, I remember that this is, uh, I, I was doing a, a show, as a Saturday night, and which is when we taped our show. And uh, I was married at the time, around 3 p.m., uh, my wife calls, and our dog had to be put to sleep. Oh. So, if you, look, if you want to say goodbye, better come home now and do it. So we did. Had a vet come in, put the dog to sleep. It was terrible and sad. It was a great dog. We'd had it forever, had her forever. And, and then I had to drive back to work and write jokes and deliver right. jokes. And, you know, that's, that, I mean, you know as well as I do, that's, that's what <laughs> that's- you do. Yeah, that's what you do. So the key is how do you, how can you perform at your best when it matters most, even when everything else you know is is in disarray. So I'm I'm kind of moving into specializing that. So what kind of tips do you do you give people not to not to dig too deep into what kind of things that come to mind that you share that 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 people can do in that situation? Well, there are a few things. I mean, compartmentalizing helps a little bit. Just you know, having have, being able to to focus on what it is that you want to get out of whatever it is that, that you're doing at the time. Um, so you can be completely present in the moment. So when you, when you, um, when I went, when I went back to work, that was my goal then to just be back at work and focus on what it is that had to be done then. Um, and you, um, there, there are techniques for doing that. There, there are techniques for being able to kind of shift your focus from one thing to another, uh, which I, which I talk about. Um, a lot of it also is preparation. You know, one of the keys to producing under pressure is to, is to be completely prepared and play a lot of what if scenarios. What if this happens? What if this happens? So you've got some sense of preparation. So those are a couple of things. There are breathing exercises that you can do also. Right. Uh, 
meditative kind of things. I don't want to get too woo woo, but that's, but that's, you know, th- those are those types of things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let, before I let you go, let's do one more th- thing I want to ask you about. You mentioned the top, which is creativity. So you, you, do you speak on that? Do you do, do you do workshops on that? I'm just curious when you get to creativity, that's, that's a very interesting uh, topic, brainstorming and everything that goes with that. What kind of things do you talk about in under that topic? Yeah, it's, it is, it is cool. I love doing that. And I love doing it, especially in a workshop setting. Um, I, I do it in a keynote setting as well, but even when I'm doing it in a keynote setting, it tends to be a pretty interactive keynote. Right. Um, because I think you can talk at people about creativity, but the real fun is, again, like I say, when you roll up your sleeves and really get into it. And it's interesting because a lot of people who talk about creativity, um, they talk about, well, you can have every Wednesday be like rubber nose day where everybody wears a rubber <laughs> nose or you wear weird hats. And that's, that's all well and good. But what I talk about is strategic creativity for leaders. Um, what I talk is about how do you get that million dollar idea? How do you get the idea that the competition's never going to think of it and is never going to see coming? So, you know, where do those ideas come from? Uh, and, and how, how do you make those work? And really what it comes down to, and my Ted talk was about this, it's about connecting dots. See, people think that creativity is this spark that comes from, from above, you know, that's like, wow, there's a creative idea. Look, the iPhone, I've invented it. That's almost never the case. It's, it's almost always about connecting two or more things that nobody's ever connected before. This exists, this exists, but nobody ever put them together before. Right. Uh, Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And so creating something new out of stuff that's already been invented or created, you're just, you're just kind of uh, synthesizing them into something, a different thing, a different way of looking at stuff. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, really the magic question is how is this like this? I used to do that when I was writing jokes for almost live, when you're writing monologue jokes, um, you read two different stories in the newspaper, just from completely different sections. And then you say, okay, how is this story like this story? What's the intersection? Well, there is no intersection, but you create one and boom, there you have a punchline. You find something that has a, a twist on it. And that's where humor comes from is the unexpected. So, yeah. That's where humor comes from. That's where creativity comes from. They're, yeah. they, they are not flip sides of the same coin. They are the same side of the same coin. It's the same process. Yeah, yeah. Bill, it's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you. What's a great place to find you and grab your newsletter and all that stuff? Uh, you're obviously online. Yeah, I'm obviously online. The best place is my is my uh, my website, which is BillStainton.com. That's B-I-L-L-S-T-A-I-N-T-O-N.com. If you, re- if you forget that, you can go to producingresults.com. It'll take you to the same place. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. Uh, Bill, it's been a pleasure, uh, and uh, look forward to, to speaking with you again. Thank you so much for Thanks, joining me. It was a blast right. being with you. All right. And thanks again to Bill Stainton for joining me on this podcast. Lots of fun, Bill. Really appreciate it. Uh, trade show tip of the week. If you're planning a new booth, uh, make sure you work with a 3D designer to figure out the best use of space. One of the designers I work with, Greg Garrett, says, you know, it's easy to burn up a lot of space in smaller exhibits once you start uh, detailing what you want, like a meeting area, uh, product storage, uh, product display, all that stuff. It just eats up space like crazy. So you need a pro. If it's a smaller inline booth, you can even find space and do a space mock-up on your floor, you know, measure the space off. Uh, whether it's a 10 by 10, 10 by 20, 10 by 30, put masking tape down. Maybe you got a small uh, warehouse or a large hall area, something, I don't know. Uh, it, this helps you kind of feel how big that physical space is, and it's not very big. Uh, especially when it comes to foot traffic. Uh, Beyond that, your 3D designer can work with you to put together a 3D rendering that will help you visualize how it will all work. You know, it's not rocket science to design a 3D exhibit, but it's different than designing 2D graphics, for instance. But a good 3D exhibit designer 
can start with a good napkin sketch and then discuss your needs and go from there. Uh, now, this week's one good thing, I got to see the Foo Fighters in concert in Eugene less than a week ago uh, in the University of Oregon campus in the Matthew Knight Arena. It's, you know, it's been years since I've been to a really big arena rock concert, and this was a ton of fun. I went with a, my friend Jim, and he thought the same thing. Not the kind of live music we usually go to, but, you know, now and then you got to Got a splurge and taking a really big rock show. Uh, no matter what you think of the Foo Fighters, uh, for some reason I latched onto them a few years ago and became a big fan. Uh, they definitely do what they do very, very well. Dave Grohl, former drummer for Nirvana and founder of the Foo Fighters, was born to be a rock star, in my opinion. He's just the big star uh, on stage. Funny, engaging, you know, profane, and uh, damned if I know how he keeps his vocal cords from shredding night after night, but he's up there doing it. Uh, love the show and would highly recommend the Foo Fighters show to anyone who wants a big, loud, raucous, dirty, and grungy and, and professional rock and roll show by guys that have been doing it for a long, long time. Uh, not for everyone, but you know, after 22 years, these guys really know what they're doing. Uh, factoid. Uh, I just discovered, doing a little reading on the, the Foo Fighters, that uh, their 2011 album, Wasting Light, was recorded in Dave Grohl's Garage. On a tape recorder, no computers involved. They went back to the old style. How cool is that, huh? Uh, have a great week.